Welcome to Black in Therapy. My name is Nikita Banks. I am a New York City-based psychotherapist licensed in New York and New Jersey as a clinical social worker. Our podcast will cover all of the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. But first, follow us at Instagram and Twitter at Black in Therapy and like our Facebook fan page. So we reached the month of October, which is my favorite month of the year because it's the time of the year when I was born. Happy birthday to me, as well as when my son was born. Happy birthday to him. So um, obviously two of my most favorite people have been born this year and a lot of my other favorite peoples because Libras kind of rock. Scorpios bring up the rear. Um, but one thing I also like about this month is this month is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And for this month, I was actually given an honor of giving a talk with one of my friends who you may have known or you may have heard of, the budget Nista, Tiffany Aliche. Uh, she has this dynamic group called the Dream Catchers and the Dream Builders of which I am a part of and have been almost since the beginning. And I've been honored to speak to the women in the group to talk a little bit about financial abuse and the role it plays in not only domestic violence, but in families, okay? And so in crafting this talk, um, and the reason that I really wanted to do it outside of just seeing a lot of posts in the group uh, surrounding mental health issues as it relates to finances. I really wanted to do this talk because I want to launch a series of talks surrounding the relationship between your emotions and your finances and how negative emotions drive negative financial habits. And so um, this is a project that I'm still developing, but it's called Feelings in Finance. The website is up if you would like to go and sign up to our mailing list to see what exciting new things that we have coming up for our pre-launch ahead of the new year. Please feel free. But I was asked to do this talk in there. And in dealing with the role that financial abuse plays in a lot of cultures, especially in relational or relationships where there's romance or romantic relationships or intimate partner relationships or intimate partner violence and the large role that that plays on whether or not, especially in heterosexual or heteronormative relationships, if people stay. It dawns on me going through the list of um, the things that I wanted to, to talk about or the talking points that I had actually been a victim of financial abuse myself. And I dare to call myself a victim because I kind of struggle with that word. But um, my story as I was thinking about it and crafting the talk is not all that uncommon. But I don't think it's what people think about when they think about financial abuse. So in my first year as a, my second year, as a social worker, I worked in a shelter. So I worked at a domestic violence shelter. And as part of our intake process or as part of the process that I would utilize or the tool that I would utilize to see what type of abuse the person dealt with, I was first introduced to the concept of financial abuse. And what I know from working there and what I know from doing this work is that a lot of women stay in domestic violence situations or in situations where there is intimate partner violence because of finances. And I live in New York City. 
and the rent's too damn high, like the old mayor guy. If you don't live here, you probably don't get the reference. But the rents are high here. The cost of living is high here. The wages aren't going up. And so housing insecurity is a really, really big issue in this city, especially if you are in a vulnerable situation. And so, for example, I had one client who was uh, definitely a victim of financial abuse in every sense of the word, but she was also a victim of sexual abuse in her relationship. She was also a victim of physical abuse in her relationship, and she was a victim of emotional abuse. So any way that a woman could be abused, she was. And she was a young mother with twins and a older child. The twins were, they were babies, maybe 10 months, I believe they were 10 months at the time. And she had a three-year-old at the time. And coming into the shelter, we discovered that she was two months pregnant. And so um, if you have a chance to listen to the talk that I'm going to do with uh, the group, you'll see that that whole cycle of barefoot and pregnant is a piece of what intimate partner violence looks like when you're as part of financial abuse, just keeping you kind of out of the systems that empower you to be able to become financially independent and having back to back to back to back babies can do that for you. And it allows you to be dependent on this person. And so of all of my clients that I've met who have found themselves in difficult situations, this client sticks with me the most. I mean, she was like maybe 22 years old. And she had all these beautiful, beautiful babies. And she, being pregnant, she didn't have any viable skills and or an opportunity to become financially independent. And so after a certain amount of time in the New York City domestic violence shelter system, she was going to either time out, which meant that she would have to go back to that abuser or go back to a family member or go back to somebody who was in community who could actually provide her with housing and support for now these four babies. She didn't believe in abortion. She didn't have family support. Or in part of what we were discussing at the end was that she was thinking about going back to this partner who told her that if um, she returned, in exchange for returning, he would choke her out until the point of unconsciousness and rape her every single day for 30 days. And she was thinking about going back. So with that story as the backdrop of financial abuse, as I started to think about this situation, I started to see that there has been times that I have been financially manipulated by someone in my family um, and someone that I'm very close with. And so thinking about her situation as an extreme, I don't think that I even really thought about the the abuse or the patterns of abuse I allowed to um, exist in my life. And so tonight I'm going to tell this story or today or this afternoon, whenever y'all listening, but it's night. I'm, I'm recording at night. Um, so, um, like a lot of African-American families, when I turned 17, after I graduated from high school, I moved in with a family member. So when I was 17, I ended up living with a family member and there kind of wasn't a plan. Like when I graduated from high school, there was supposed to be a plan in place that I would have money to maybe start my life. Like I worked 
And there was a discussion um, surrounding myself and my mom that there would be some money for me to start my life. But, you know, my mother was a young single mother and I I guess that wasn't realistic. Um, And it's also why my parenting plan for my son's launch um, is a little bit different. But there was supposed to be money for me to start at least a portion of my life, not a lot of money, but some Money And that just kind of didn't happen. So I ended up moving back to New York City. Um, I went to high school in Virginia, Alexandria, Hayfield Secondary, Go Hawks. And so I moved back to New York and I lived with a family member. And instead of encouraging me to get a job, I babysat her child. And we're going to put a pin in this whole me getting a job thing in a minute because we're going to come back to that. But I just want to bring that to your attention. So I babysat for her child. And in exchange, I got free, I'll say in air quotes, room and board. But I was required or asked or told that I should apply for public assistance in order to supplement, I guess, what I was eating in in the household. Now, this situation is not uncommon. I didn't know anything about public assistance. I didn't, I, I never really had it growing up. So this is a brand new kind of like thing for me. But I was told that in order for me to kind of supplement the food that I was eating, I would have to go and apply for government assistance, which I did. And, you know, in that person's defense, I like to run the street. So (laughs) coming from Alexandria, Virginia, where if you didn't have a car, even though I had access to a car, I never really paid attention to get my license or anything. I wasn't motivated enough because I really, really, really hated Alexandria, Virginia. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I moved down there when I was like, 12 or 13, I didn't really want to be there. So graduation day without a plan, I moved back to New York. And so I didn't really have a place to stay, but I had a bunch of family members who lived here. And this one family member, I think at the time she thought that she was doing the best that she could do. However, I also think that she probably thought about how it would benefit her if I was there. So um, I got to hang out. I got to go out with my friends. I got to do what I wanted to do. I got to live in New York City and live the big city dreams. Um, But financially, I had no footing. I didn't have the footing from my parents. I didn't have the footing or the financial education or the backing from this person. Like I just didn't know anything besides working. Now as a grown up, I know that if I, a person of that age feeling the way that I was feeling at the time needed guidance, I would see what they were going to do in terms of like getting a job and um, going to school or whatever their interests were and seeing how we could navigate that. But that didn't happen. So after a while of living with this person, I mean, when my goal, when I moved back to New York, I really just wanted to go to college. I wanted to to enter into Hunter, going to Hunter was my dream, lofty goals. Actually going to NYU was kind of a real dream for me, but it was kind of the thing Cosby kids did. I thought that I didn't have the finances for it. I didn't have the grades for it. I didn't take the SATs in college. I mean, in high school, because I was just kind of scared of having to perform and scared of failure. So I didn't do it. And so I thought that college was unobtainable. And everybody that I was hanging out with, they were running the street. Nobody was really going to school. So it wasn't something that I saw people doing. And so um, back to the financial abuse. When it came time for me to go and start to look for employment, this person was 
kind of dissuading me from doing it. Um, And what I realized after a while was there were reasons why they didn't think that it was necessary or that they were motivated to support me in doing better for myself. One of those reasons were uh, this person was getting government assistance in their name or under their social security number and was working under mine. So I couldn't quite get a job with my social security number. And I was 17. I didn't know what a social security number was, how valuable it was. Um, I didn't even know like what it was off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure I've seen a social security card, but I didn't understand what it did um, and that it was it is kind of currency and it, it goes with you throughout your whole life. And it almost like tells the story of your life. And so I didn't really get it. But what I realized is that that person was working under my social security number. I ended up finding out that the person owed taxes in my name under my social security number. And they had also applied for credit cards in my name. And so once I had discovered, I'm not sure what what I discovered first. I believe I discovered the credit cards in my name because I think I found maybe a credit card in my name. I intercepted some mail that had my name on it and it was a credit card in it. And I'm like, they just give these to people? Like, I don't have a job. And so I discussed it with the family member. They were like, oh yeah, we I applied for that for you. But that really wasn't really wasn't the truth. And not that I think that I'm dumb. I think I kind of figured it out at the time, but I didn't think that it went past that one card. And I didn't know what a credit report was. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I just knew that I had this credit card. So now here I am maybe 17, 18 year old girl with a credit card, with no concept of how to manage credit, with no concept of what to do with credit, with, with no concept of the value of what, what this was and the foundation of understanding what credit could possibly mean and do for me or mean and do to me in a negative way if I didn't know how to manage it. Here I am in New York City with no cash, no job and a credit card. So clearly I ruined my credit because I just I didn't have any guidance. I didn't know what I was doing. So there was that. Second thing is, is after a while I was living with this person for a while and then I started to work. I was working off the books, but I was able to to work. I had decided that I no longer wanted to live with this person. Like we would fight all the time and like all these things were happening. And it came to a point where I was working And because my credit was ruined, I didn't have a bank account. And because I didn't have a bank account, I was working and saving money and getting paid and like keeping it in a purse around the house. And eventually I had enough money where I could have been able to move out and miraculously in a household where there weren't that many people, this money ended up being missing. And so, you know, I suspect or I suspected that the person took money from me or took the money from me. So this is definitely, you know, part of financial abuse, someone using your credit or ruining your credit or doing things that there's no remorse, you know, for this person wasn't remorseful when I realized that the money was gone. They they were no help in locating it, obviously, because I figured they knew where it was. But, um, you know, this was a real blow to me because I had been saving the money over a course of some time. And it was a significant amount of money for somebody who had never really had any real money or money management skills or anything in my life. And this was kind of like my life savings to start 
out and get my own place and um, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it because the money was gone. And so this relationship was verbally abusive, um, which was normalized. It was normal in the the community that I grew up in. And it was the dysfunctional relationship, very codependent relationship. And like I said, this is not a romantic relationship. This is a family member. And so I ended up getting my own place and I ended up being you know, independent and I ended up having a kid and I ended up going to, back to school um, and I ended up going to, to work and I ended up trying to uh, rebuild my credit and rebuild my life and so, or start my life because I mean, I think that at that point my life had really kind of just kicked off. But without that person having the wherewithal to not use me to further themselves and, and not having the guidance to guide me to do something better and with me not having the proper safety plans in place to make sure that I knew what I was doing when I got out on my own. I was just kind of out there floating, but I, I have this baby and I have my own apartment and I was in college and I was working. And then I went to go file my taxes. And that's when I realized that the family member had not only utilized my social security number to work, that's when I discovered that she was doing that. She owed the IRS money in my name. So monies, a refund that was supposed to go to me and my child ended up being taken. I was devastated because I wanted to fight and scratch and, and kill. Like I, this was, this is my tax refund. I know how, you know how we feel about our refund. And I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't have it. And I really, 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 really had to pray on, had to pray on it to not for it not to escalate into something else with this person. And, um, I was literally like two seconds away from calling the popo and like just and like turning the person in because uh, like how 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 do you put a young mother in this situation? I'm able to forgive. Um, I'm never gonna forget. My boundaries are very enforceable and impenetrable with this person because it's very important that I maintain a certain level of distance. When it comes to this person and finances, I now have the, the insight to realize that this person has very, very funny habits around money. And so I've learned to adapt to managing my adapt my expectations with this person with money. And so if there's ever a situation where there needs to be an exchange of finances and I mean, I'm in a pretty okay financial situation. I ain't rich, but um, I am a lot more res financially responsible than I used to be. And I'm a lot more financially responsible than some people. Shout out to Tiffany Aliche and the Budgetista. And so I try to help other people and discuss financial literacy and, and the, the link between feelings and finances with a lot of people, but this one person in particular, I try not to, even though we still maintain a working relationship and it's a relationship that we're working on. It's difficult for me to do that 
without boundaries. And so I don't discuss my finances with them. There will never be a time where I'm loaning money to this person. If I have to exchange money, I have to know that I'm, I'm in effect giving it to them because I may never see it back. They don't feel the same way about financial responsibility than, than I do. And so I've really had to learn how to build my muscle in saying no and not allowing myself to be used for financial gain, especially when I don't think that I will get it back. Now, that's not to say that this person doesn't provide value to my life. That's not to say that I don't value this person or I feel that she doesn't, they don't value me in a, in, in a different way. Um, I think we all have gifts and we all express them differently. But as I started to think about this story and I started to think about how to build boundaries and the concept of financial abuse, it became evident to me that this is part of the culture um, that we don't talk about. And I don't think that this is a black thing or a Latino thing or a person of color thing. I think this is a poverty thing, even though there's jokes of like, you know, you got your phone, your cell phone in your mama name and you got your cell phone in your two year old's name <laughs> and, you know, any scammers and any clean Social Security number is is one to be used. And so we have to start thinking differently about financial responsibility. And so for my son, what I've done is I started to think of a savings plan for him because he'll be graduating from college soon and I'm gonna need him not to be sleeping in my basement forever I'm gonna need him not to be sleeping in my on my couch I'm gonna need him not to be in you know my guest room or down the hall in his drawers with his girlfriend or his wife and his five kids I'm gonna need him to be financially independent and part of that has to do with financial literacy and part of that has to do with thinking about how your emotions drive your spending and how negatively um, they can impact the way that you handle money. Um, I had a friend where I used to recreational shop and that's all we did. We went out and shopped all the time. Every weekend, every day, we were going to this store and that store. And it came to a point where I was like, we have to find some other things to do. I'm an emotional spender. Um, my stuff around money is, is, is very deep, but it's stuff that I've had to like explore and I've had to identify and I've had to look at my habits and I've had to like really change a lot about, about my money stuff, my money, emotional stuff in order to conquer it. So I hope you enjoyed this show. I hope this gives you, um, just a small insight of what financial abuse is. If you're interested in hearing more, you can sign up to our mailing list at feelingsandfinance.com, feelingsandfinance.com. Just sign up to a mailing list. Uh, Probably by the time this show is up, the fact sheet on financial abuse will be live and you'll be able to download that as well as um, there will be a safety plan for people who are in domestic violence situations and or family situations like mine who need to get out of and break that cycle of abuse when it comes to your finances. So I want to say once again, like I don't blame the family member. I think she she was doing what was the 
the best thing for her at the time. I just wished she would have given me a little bit more consideration and the impact of what what choices she made had in my life and the, the long term choices, the long term effects of those choices were. But I have no idea what the long term effects of the choices were when I was making them because we just didn't have the financial education. And I just think that, you know, hurt people hurt people and ignorance begets bad choices. And so I don't blame her. But like I said, you know, I have had to do the hard emotional work surrounding my ideas around finances. And I think that all of us have to do that work. And if you see someone around you who is not willing to invest in themselves to do that work, then you definitely need to think about how you share your financial resources and how you share your financial support with them. Because there's a difference in teaching someone how to fish and giving them a fish. And if you give them a fish, they are going to be hungry all the time. And if you teach them how to fish and they want to fish, I mean, that makes all the difference. And so this is Nikita Banks once again for Black in Therapy. So thank you for listening to our episode. Please subscribe if you liked what you heard. Follow us, follow us, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and our Facebook fan page at Black in Therapy. Also, we're on SoundCloud at Black in Therapy. And check us out. Subscribe to our mailing list at blackintherapy.com to be up on all the news. Thanks for listening.